Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Kathy Jones and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Jones, how are you doing? I'm good. How's uh, how's COVID been treating you? It's got a bittersweet quality of the times that we're in, the moment that we're in, uh, you know, mixed with the brilliance of life as it always was and would love to continue to be. You know, it's it's heartbreaking what's happening in the world. It's a challenging time for a lot of people, you know. No, no, I understand that. Yeah, it can it can be bittersweet. I mean, you gotta try to look at the, I guess, the positive side of things. Uh, let's just hop right into things, shall we? Is it safe? Is it safe to say that your brother Andy got you into comedy? Because I hear he was the one who kind of put in a good word for you to join Kotko. My brother Andy and Mary Walsh and Greg Malone and Bob Joy and Diane Olson and. Tommy Sexton were all in the Newfoundland Traveling Theater Company. I was a little bit shy to join, so my brother just told Dudley uh, Cox from the Newfoundland Traveling Theater Company that I was good, and so he believed him. That's what I always thought, is that Andy, Andy said I was good, and so he believed him. I don't know if I had... I'm sure I auditioned, and I'm sure I was good, <laughs> but I always thought it was just because Andy said it, you know? <laughs> It's basically like if Andy says something, they're going to agree with it. Like, you know, if Andy's like, yeah, listen, like, she's really good. She's really good. They're going to be like, oh, okay, well, if Andy says she's really good, then I'm going to agree with that. They didn't know what they were getting into, but because Andy says it, they believe it. So imagine if you weren't. That's a lot of pressure on Andy and a lot of pressure on you. But thankfully, we don't have to go down that road. Yeah. Now, like, take me through how this turned into the wonderful grand band. Now, it's a little bit before my time, but it's still an impactful piece of Newfoundland folklore, Newfoundland history, and I guess Canadian history, really. It's like a Newfoundland version of Saturday Night Live. Now, that's just my interpretation of it. I could be completely wrong, but, like, Uh explain it to me. Yeah. Well, here's what happened. We were in Toronto looking for work, and Mary was going to school. She was going to do a year at Ryerson, and... And Tommy was up there with Diane and Greg was up there at the same time. And so I went up there and then we were all trying to get like jobs in real Toronto shows and stuff. I think Tommy had one actually. And then Tommy just asked this guy from this great theater called Theater Pass Mariah, which is they they did a lot of collective work and stuff like that. They did kind of interesting shows. And Tommy said, can we get a few bucks to do our own show? And the guy gave us like three hundred dollars or something like that like really a small amount of money and we we got a place to rehearse and we started writing this show about you know the experience that uh, newfoundlanders uh, have of people experiencing them but anyway it became very popular we brought that show back to newfoundland and people were amazed because before that theater in newfoundland had been like english drawing room farces you know everybody with a british accent who was in a show you know and then all of a sudden we were telling people what what you know we were doing sketches like the happy province oh yes we're happy oh yes we're terribly happy oh yes we're horribly happy we are 
Canada's happy province. I mean, our happiness may not be of the, uh, our happiness is of the more intangible sort. You can't actually touch it, like the food and the clothing. We were like making fun of the experience of being in Newfoundland. And no one had done that. Like, it was just, you know, nobody had actually done that. And so it was kind of shocking and wonderful because it, because Newfoundlanders are so honest and open and generous. And we made fun of that, you know, and people were just blown away by that. So we did really well with, with that. And we only did that as a theater collective. Andy and Bob Joy joined us. And we only did it really from 73 to 75. So really, it was only like two two years, you know. So we, we really broke up from 75 to 86. You know what I mean? Like we weren't together as a complete company very long doing stage. And then eventually we started doing a TV show in 86. In 86, we got together and we did Expo 86. We went out west with Figgy Duff and we did, you know, we got together in different groupings like me and Andy and Tommy and Mary and me and Greg and Tommy and Mary. But Andy and Greg weren't in each the shows you know they were we were either with Andy or with Greg in two shows in 77 78 79 and then in 86 Michael Donovan said did we want to do a TV show and we we did jump at that and there was me and Tommy and Andy and Greg and Mary now i believe in the mid 80s cuz you kind of mentioned this you and Mary joined Greg and Tommy for this TV show so explain the relationship between how you and Mary got involved in this with Mary and i was Tommy and Greg started, well, Mary did all kinds of CBC shows and stuff. She was really active. She did the show with Ray Guy and all that, right? And then Greg was doing The Wonderful Grandman with, with Tommy in the late 70s, just getting into 80, right, around there. And then in 84, Tommy and Greg asked me and Mary if we would do, or we would get the odd little, you know, when, when they were doing Wonderful Grandman on TV, Mary and I did the Friday Night Girls and stuff like that. And then we toured with the Wonderful Grandman. Mary and I did when my daughter... Mara was 18 months old. We were out touring, was driving around with Tommy, and I had my little girl with me. And we, we did a big tour with 14 people on the road with Wonderful Grand Band. And we basically sunk the ship. Like, we had no money when we came home. And that was, like, 84. And I just went, that's it. I'm not working that hard for nothing again. And I started to do a little bit more, like, stand-up. And by 85, I did my one-woman show, Wedding in Texas, which went really well. Andy directed me, and he was just such – that's exactly what I've been looking for ever since, is someone to be that steadfast person sitting there going, yes, yes, that's a good idea. All I want is that person sitting there going – Yes, that's good. Keep going. I'm just I'm looking to hire that person. When, when people accept awards, they're always saying I like to thank this person, this person. I have nobody like I am Zilcho in terms of like support. I, the other day I called this woman. I said, you're my agent. Yeah. Well, you know, we, she said you should probably get a headshot. I'm like, OK, you know, like I got to get some shit on the go. 22 minutes has ruined my life because it's so easy. I'm grateful for it. And it's, but it's so like I can just roll out of bed in September and do a show which is over by March, and then I just live off the money for the year. You know what I mean? I never save any money. I'm, I'm, I'm shagged, but, but on the other hand, but it doesn't make me hungry for other work, so it makes me lazy. No, no, I understand what you mean. It's like, you know, if you got a comfort zone or a safe space, like you don't want to come outside that safe space because it's always going to be there. Like you're afraid almost a, like a fear of coming outside of that because what if you fail, right? Like what if things don't go the way you want to go? This safe space or comfort zone is always there. You know, as much as it is job security or a way that you're like, you know, whatever happens, I can always come back to this. It does kind of mess with you. 
But I get what you're saying, you know? Like, it is a bit of a messy situation. No. No, it's terrible. I mean, I try to write... Every summer, I put horrible pressure on myself to be writing my book. But until somebody sits with me and goes, all right, go ahead, that's page one, keep going, I'm not going to get it done. I've got lots written, but I have to organize them, and I really need help. I've got a very deficient frontal lobe. I've got ADD, but that's the first time and only time I'll mention it. Now, Kathy, like, listen, I don't know if people told you this, but uh, I'm very organized. Now, of course, I blame OCD, not that I'm making fun of anyone who has OCD or anything like that, because I know it can be a huge deal or concern for people, but, like, I like to think that I self-diagnose myself with mild OCD. Now, maybe I'm just a very particular person, right? But if things don't get done or if they're not positioned in a certain way, I find it just bothers me and I lose my focus. So that's why I kind of want to keep things on track. Oh, that's amazing. Why wasn't Tommy a part of 22 Minutes originally? You know, because you got yourself, you got Mary... Greg Toomey, and you got Rick. Was Tommy originally a part of this plan? Was he just not interested? Was he not politically, you know, was he not politically, I guess, a political satire? Was that not up his alley? Like, what happened there? By 93, Tommy was very sick. Tommy's sick. Did, like, so how did this go about? Like, did someone start pitching ideas of, like, maybe this guy can be on the show? Maybe this person can be on the show? Uh, was it you and Mary sitting down and saying, like, I think this person's great? Or, like... No, Mary, Mary was thinking of um, Ron, Ron Hines. And I was like, I didn't want Ron because I was pissed off with Ron. I can't remember why, but I was. And, and I said, no, I want Greg Toomey. And, and I really, really pushed for Greg Toomey. And we got Greg Toomey. So, like, how did you come to get on the show? Like, did you get a call? Did Mary select you? Like, how did this come to be? Like, did Mary just sit with you one day and say, like, you know what? Me and you should start this. Okay, so, like, when Mary wanted to do This Hour is 22 Minutes, she wanted me to do it with her. Okay? So, okay. I didn't just get on 22 Minutes. I started 22 Minutes. Mary was in bed the first couple of weeks we did the show. And Mary did the show from bed. Okay, we... We all brought that show together, me and Rick, Greg and Mary. So when we when we finished Codco in 92, I didn't want to do this hour is 22 minutes or anything like that. I never knew it. Mary said, I want to do a political satire. And I said, I don't. I hate politics. She said, that's why you have to do it. You, ha- you know nothing about politics, but you have a fresh take every time. I said, okay. Mary took care of me in a way, like karmically, she set me up with something to make money for the rest of my life. Like I was the sister who... Who, if I if she didn't give me a leg up, I wouldn't. She spoke to the shop lady and said I was a good seamstress or something. People say she was very lucky to get me for the show because I'm really amazing. Were you ever worried about a weak link in the show? What, why would there be a weak link with people putting a TV show on? Because when you were mentioning that you weren't very political and it's a political satire show, I, I could see that being a little bit concerning like just say for example and i'm not saying this is true but just say rick came across very political and he wasn't very into the sketch comedy side where you were a little bit more sketch comedy and not the political side like so therefore both of you kind of even out right like i'm not saying more or less that there was a weak point in the show because there there really wasn't like you all did really well off each other but you know when i'm watching just say a whose lines did anyway or an snl you can see which members of the cast are very good at particular games or particular scenes or playing different roles. And then you can see which parts they're not very comfortable in. There's things that they thrive and there's things that they know that, okay, I can do better at this. 
So that's where I'm kind of getting at there. Uh-huh. So, like, I assume with this show, there were some learning moments or finding out that this isn't something that I'm strong at, so I need to work on this. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm very grateful that I have work, but I, at the same time, I'm a very creative person. But, I, you know, karmically, we all have stuff that happens to us. Like, I'm not... I'm not in a in a company. I don't have, you know, I like being a we. I like working with people and I work alone a lot and I don't particularly like working alone. I really like jamming. I'd love to be in a collective and I find it very hard to connect with people because, well, partly because of my ADD, but also like just to, to really kind of establish a, a, a creative team. It's not in the cards for me, it seems sometimes. I've had a hard time doing that. I, I like I'd like to even just have a, a writing partner, just one other person, you know. And uh, so that's kind of challenging. You know, that would be the kind of thing that I would feel like if I got my books finished. Like right now, I'm feeling like there's a lot of obstacles being thrown up in the world that make it even harder than usual. That's kind of something to think about when, you know, when you've always struggled with whether you're going to do something and then the world makes it so it's harder for you to do something like you run out of time, you're dying or you know, the world is not opened up anymore. Now, Kathy, well, I got you here. Uh, let's have a heart to heart. You know, you've been on the show since its beginning in 92. So basically, like my whole life existence, you have 18 Gemini Awards, three Canadian Comedy Awards for your work on this show. You have seen like others come, you've seen them go. Do you ever just feel like, I don't know, maybe annoyed or like frustrated or just one day just say like, you know, I, I'm done here. Like, I'm, I'm not even saying, like, offset. I mean, like, you could be in the middle of the show, and then, you know, you're just, like, you just flip the desks and going, like, I'm out. Kathy is out. Kathy is done with this BS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, really, like, it, it, there's a time in February, March, when I say, oh, my God, you know, I really got to give this job to someone younger, and I got to get out of here. But, you know, whenever I go to work, I have fun. Well, the only thing that bothers me is that I'm, I'm very different. Uh, my, my view of things is a bit different than the CBC's official view. So, you know, for me to get to say the things that I would like to say this year, it's going to be very challenging because I do have a very radical view of what's happening re-COVID, which I won't get to express. And I can't hardly listen to the CBC right now. Their reporting to me is about, you know, if there was a full circle, they're using about one pie slice of their brain. Uh, trying to figure out what's happening. It's just not, it, it's not investigative journalism. I feel that everything is being uh, co-opted by whoever owns everything, owns the media, owns everything. Like we're really in a hard place in terms of communication. So it will be a challenge. I've obviously been invited back. So what happens to me is I get a bill for $55,000 for taxes or I, I, you know, I owe money on something. I don't have money and I didn't save enough money and, and I don't, I can't really retire yet. And I owe like a ton of money. I haven't got a dock and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just have to go back. And so, but I, and this year we've moved finally from the spot we were in for 27 years. I've been at that building since 86. I did Codco for seven years and without a break, I went into 22 minutes. I did Codco from 86 to 92. That was eight years. Was it eight or six? It's six years. And, and then, and then 27 years of, of, of 22 minutes. So I've been in the building since 86, which is 33 years. And they just, they're tearing it down to make a beautiful parking garage. And they're moving to this big building downtown where there's no external windows. But it is like a, it's like a, 
Bunker. It's a new cultural link center. I'm hoping that we, what I feel is that there will be another wave of COVID when things pick up. Um, there's going to be because the, the globe is relatively small and things do circulate around the globe. But I think uh, there's going to be a lot of bullshit because they're all because everything's based on lies. We're pretending we need a vaccine for a collapse. Basically, what we're experiencing is a collapse of human beings, like just like the bees and the birds went down. We're going down. And and our response is to put on masks and uh, get a vaccine. And it's just like because we're, we're hanging around with people who always ate junk food and went to the doctor when really a lot of us were eating well and not going to the doctor and going to naturopaths. And we have a whole different view of health and vitality and wholeness. And unfortunately, uh, it's going to be a different world. So I don't know how I'm going to handle it. But I hope that they ask me back for the entire season to which I will say yes, yes and yes. And I would, I would have, you know, and I do this every year. I say to my friends, I'm not going back. And then they go, you're not going back. And I go, you're not going back. And I'm like, I'm not going back. And they go, you're not going back. And then I go, oh, I'm going back. <laughs> and we just laugh, you know. <laughs> Heaven forbid, Kathy, you do something else and, you know, you make money. Like, no one else in the history of the world has ever done something and drawn money otherwise. Yeah, you don't want to take any chances. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to risk things. How does your uh, how does your daughter and your grandkids I guess see you? Because I mean, I gotta assume that they come across some of the sketches on YouTube or on Facebook or even if they look them up themselves and they see you play these different parts or these different roles and they, they gotta ask you I guess at some point like, "Geez, mom" or like, "Geez, grandma," like, "Why are we doing this for? Like, what what's going on here? Can you explain this a little bit further? Like, do they ever do that to you?" Well. You know, my daughter is um, my daughter is 38, and my other daughter is 24. And you know, my grandsons they don't haven't seen a lot of my work. They do, they're young, and my my daughter keeps my grandsons very innocent. You know, she doesn't expose them to a lot of stuff, so they have a lot of stuff to try to figure out. She just lets them grow appropriately for their age. I remember I played the lion at this you know Buddhist thing. And he looked at me when he was a little tiny baby boy, like a little talking boy. He said, you're an actor. That's why you make all those funny faces. And I think he's going to be an actor. Like, he's other things, but he's really funny and he makes great faces. You know, in families, people are not the people they are at work. In families, people are your grandmother or your mother. That is your experience. And I'm not a, I'm not a big old actress who's, who's calling everybody darling and all that. I'm just... I'm just a person, you know, like a lot of actors. I, I listen to a lot of interviews with actors <laughs> and some of them are interesting and some of them are as boring as fuck. They're basically just giving you a list of what they've done. Like then I went over to uh, Cummings and uh, I was at Cummings there for 14 years. Like, fuck off. You're not an interesting person. You just happen to be a really good actor. And I'm just, it's not the, the part of my life where I'm an actor that is the most important part to me. I don't think. I never thought about that, but I do like your answer there of how you said them to remember you as, you know, Kathy Jones, the comedian, but just Kathy Jones, the person. No, oh, I, I want them to forget me. All right. No, oh, come on, Kathy. That's that's a little bit depressing. Why do you say that? Come on. This, this is therapy. This is therapy. Well, they're not going to remember anything. No, it's just that I'm not a driven, wildly ambitious person who has to be in the game 24-7 or, or 12 months of the year, like, this whole pattern of working and not working is perfect for me. Actors don't want to work all the time. And if they do, you have the same problem in any career. You can be a workaholic. Like, it's all about balance in life. So you can work too much and, and, and oh, great, you get all these fucking accolades and shit. But 
you know, really, are you doing what's going to happen? You're going to work and then hit a wall and just drop down. Like you've got to live your life. You've got to fucking stretch out and em- embrace, you know, the the actuality of the experience. We're we're just here for a short time. Where do you guys come up with your characters? Where do you get this creative process? Where do you come up with these ideas? You know, like what inspires this stuff? It's been a long time since this. There was a question that people would ask us when we go for interviews, and they would say, "Where do you get your ideas?" <laughs> And that's kind of the same kind of question. But it's like, you know, like I just saw a woman on the beach today and I realized how my friend Rachel Parsons, who draws and paints these characters, I know how how she sees parts of people and aspects of people that we don't see. And I think as a sensitive kind of person, a sponge kind of person, I just take in aspects about people. And then, you know, I've always been kind of a mimic. So you know, if someone says to me, my God, she's the spit of you, Agnes. You know, I grew up with people from, you know, my grandmother, who I hung out, was born in 1875. So I hung out with her for 11 years with, you know, she lived with us. So my mother was born in 1916. And so people that we knew who were old when I was a little kid were born in what? Right. So if I knew somebody who was 80 when I was five, they had been born. 1878 right because we were born i was born in 1955 so you know 55 65 somebody who was born in who was 75 years old when i was a, when i was born was pretty old my grandmother was 77 when i was born but you know it's like people were like that like we went to mass and we had cousins and older people and they wore coats like that and they wore my grandmother always had a little piece of fur around her collar and she had a little you know, she dressed, you know, with her purse and her boots and old ladies would be there talking to each other. And women have always said, oh, my God, look, you know, uh, you know, he had we Mary and I have been doing these characters since we were 18 and you know, 18 and 21 years old. Like people like that were everywhere. Like at mass, you waited while your mother spoke to somebody and those people would say, my God, Agnes, she, you know, it looks like you spit her out of your mouth. So. Mary and I would do Cass and Betty Furlong wake of the week. And we would do, and we would do women meeting each other on the street. Hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. Oh my God, Mark, you can't win. Can you, you know, that kind of like depressed person, like Mrs. Mrs. Uh, I used to do my friend's mother, Mrs. Barry. And she'd say, my God, Kathy, it's some hurt. Keith's got a job up the university now and they want him to be in there at eight and they don't let him go till four. And I said, oh, my God, that's terrible. But I, I hear that he just won the Pulitzer Prize. Yes, that's going to be up in his room now with socks all over it. You can't win, can you, Kathy? You know, I have this Newfoundland character that speaks to me while I'm here at the house when I'm trying to do something. If I'm sewing or something, she'll be like, that's right, Kathy, why don't you pick that? That looks great. Put that, put that on as a ribbon, see, that around the collar. Like, I'll talk to myself. And it's always this St. John. So I've got this woman who's going to work with me tomorrow and she's actually from St. John. So I think I've manifested her in reality. <laughs> no way. I, I don't believe you. Actually, you know what? It is Kathy Jones. So yeah, it is quite possible. Yeah. But there you go, Kathy. There's your way off 22 minutes, you know. CBC coming this fall. Kathy Jones stars in Mrs. Crossfire. What happens when the character you create in your mind actually becomes a real person and starts to live with you? Kathy Jones stars in Mrs. Crossfire. What are you talking about, love? I hope people understood that because maybe they couldn't because of my whole 
accent there. I think you're going to be surprised when I tell you that you always have a Newfoundland accent. No, I don't think I got an accent. People tell me I don't. No, you do. No, that's the way you talk. Okay, well, listen, if Kathy Jones says I have an accent, I am not going to argue with Kathy Jones. Now, when we interviewed Rick uh, not that long ago, Rick had mentioned, of course, about his time on 22 Minutes and, like, you know, why he left. And a lot of people thought, okay, Rick and Mary aren't seeing eye to eye, and that's why he left. But he kind of said, no, he he had these other projects to pursue. Now, whether you believe that or not, anyone's guess. Like, I'm not putting words in people's mouth. But I can understand from a media side of things is... Once two people don't agree on things or they start to distance themselves, people say, oh, geez, like they're not friends. But in my mind, I'm like, you can still be friends with someone and not agree with everything that they say. So I can imagine for being on this show for as long as you guys have that maybe you didn't all see eye to eye. Um, you didn't always get along, but like you're still friends. What's your relationship like with Mary, for example? Yeah, good question. Just because you can work together like it doesn't mean that you guys are going to you know i mean there's always going to be it just happens with mary and i we have never been instant kind of friends in the wild like we would never have been friends and we're not you know mary says i heard her ask somebody asked her and she said no we're we're more like sisters that don't necessarily hang out we have a we have a bond but you know like we have different styles we have different viewpoints and so Mary and I have always, you know, it's good when it's just smooth and, you know, but there's been conflicts with us because we're very different. I mean, we became more the same. And then ultimately, I think we drew away from each other again. We became, she became less just strictly intellectual and I became less strictly just emotional. And we met somewhere in the middle at some point. I think sometimes you are friends with people for the very reason that, you share what what I would call a view of V I E W. Like you share a view. Like you guys both think, feel this general kind of way about things. Like when Greg and I, Greg Malone and I talk talk on the phone, we just start going about the state of things in in a way where we're both on the same page. Mary and I wouldn't be on the same page for a paragraph. We always we always diverge. Mary, like way more of the work a lot type and I'm more the uh, fuck off a lot type. I like to just be, you know, more. No, no, like I, I understand where you're getting at and I, I think you'll actually find this this particularly funny or I hope you do because I'm a combination of both, right? Like I like to keep myself busy with projects but I don't want to keep myself overly busy. Once I find myself getting overly busy, I'm like, oh my God, Tobin. And that's what I call myself. Why? Why did you do this to yourself? Because, yeah, I like to keep myself busy, but at the same time, sometimes it likes to do nothing and just sit down, play a few video games, and know that, you know, this is it. This is all I'm going to do, you know, for the day. It's just like a relaxation. For example, like, I love Mary Walsh. I think she's done very well for your, for herself, like you all have. But there are times that I'll sit there and, for example, I was watching Hudson and Rex the other day, and Mary was starring on it, or she had a feature, and I was like, all right, that's that's good for Mary. Like, she's getting outside this hour's 22 minutes. She's doing other projects. She was on Little Dog. Like, she's clearly motivated to do more stuff. And I said, good for her, good for Mary. I'm watching the episode, and I'm intrigued. I'm like, geez, she's playing this role really well. All right. Then I go watch the ECMAs that later that night, and of course, they're supposed to be in St. John's, so they got Mary Welch doing an intro. I'm like, okay, good, good to see Mary again. That makes sense. 
And I thought, okay, that's it. And then every time another act was finished, Mary would come back on. And I'm like, all right, Mary, that is a fucking enough. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen enough of you today. Could you just go? It's okay to go home. Count your money. Like, let someone else do some other things, Mary. Like, it's okay to sit down, count your money, and be at home. It's okay to do that. Like, Jesus, Mary, just relax. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's re- that's really funny. You know I find that about Mark Critch. He never fucking stops. He's doing this charity and that charity. Then he's cleaning up the park, and then he's got then he's congratulating somebody on their birthday and one of his other friends. And he had a birth. He had a wedding, and there was like everybody from all over the world there. And I was like, luckily I can't make it. Like I really don't want to be with a lot of people. I'm an introvert. I really like to be. I like to I like to socialize intensely and then spend a lot of time alone. No, no, and that's what I'm like. Like, you know, I will come out to these events, like just say if it's a Halloween event, a Christmas event, a birthday, whatever, like I will come out and I will be 100% committed to this. I will try to be the entertainment. I will engage with people I don't know, I do know, whatever. This is my socialization. But there are times then that, like, don't expect me to do this, like, yeah. two or three days in a row. There needs to be a time that I recoup and re-energize like i don't know if that's being mean but that's just how i am right so yeah like i just went out there and i spent a lot of energy socializing with people so i need to gain that back um i need to settle down for a bit because i don't want to go out one night and give 110 percent, and then the next night i'm only giving like 30 or 20 percent. and i know i'm sounding like it's like a comedian or a stand-up here or an actress or an actor but that's just how i am as a person like i need time to re-energize and refuel myself for this stuff. Do you do you know what I'm saying? You have to recover. Yeah. You have to recover from the energy that you give out when you connect with people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Kathy Jones for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thanks for listening and good night. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.